We're looking at the Magi this morning. Our story takes us uh, to uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. And we have the uh, scriptures for you if you'd like to follow along. But here's the story. We read that now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star where it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And by the way, in case you're not familiar with the story, the Magi actually appeared at the house of Mary and Joseph and not at the major scene. We kind of mixed that all in the Christmas tradition, but it's likely that Jesus was anywhere from a year or two by the time the Magi found him, and they were in their home by then. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, op- then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You know, one of my favorite Christmas stories <clears throat> that I've heard over the years involves a grandmother who had a number of children and, and many more grandchildren, and typically she would get them something every Christmas. For this particular Christmas, she's getting older, the kids are getting older, they're getting more finicky, she's not sure what to buy them. So she decides rather than buying any gifts, she's just going to get them all a card and put a check inside. So that's what she does. She writes them all a card, and there's probably a couple dozen all together. She sends them all off. Well, it's not until the day after Christmas that she realizes that she had a stack of checks in her drawer, and she had never put the checks into the envelope. So on Christmas morning, when her children and all the grandchildren opened the cards, all they saw was a message that said, buy your own presents. You know, the reality is, a lot of people approach Christmas, you might say less than enthusiastically, because part of it is what has become the commercialization of Christmas, but also part of that is because of just the busyness of the schedule and of the season. It's not that we don't like Christmas, but sometimes we can approach Christmas with a feeling that, you know, this year celebrating is going to take a lot of work. You ever feel that way? Like you just think of maybe all the preparations, or maybe you got family coming, whatever it is, and it just seems like maybe it's going to be an exhausting time. In fact, we all know, at least here in Canada, that no, no sooner is all the Halloween paraphernalia put away that the Christmas stuff comes out, right? And you walk into the mall, and the Christmas carols are singing, and, and, and they're kind of beckoning you, like Canadian Tyrus says, you know, to, to spend like Santa and save like Scrooge. So you just have this pressure this whole time now to find that that perfect gift. But I want to remind us this morning that it wasn't Hallmark that invented Christmas, right? It was heaven. It was a declaration from the angels of heaven that came to the shepherds that night, and they said, to you this day is born in the city of David 
a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then they said, now go. Don't just stand here. Get going and tell the good news because this calls for celebration. Now, I know that Christmas can be a stressful time for some of us who allow ourselves to get caught up in things that really aren't that important or maybe aren't things that Christmas were intended to be or, again, we're just stressed trying to find that perfect gift for each person. But I want to invite you this morning to make a decision. We've got a couple weeks left in the Christmas season before the new year. Then we hit into the new year. But again, I want to invite you to make a decision, a decision that I made many, many years ago that I came to terms with, and my decision was this, that I would never allow myself to move through the Christmas season stressed. I would not allow myself to get caught up in the things, even though there's many things around the church that need to be done, but I'm not going to go through the Christmas season exhausted and just dragging my feet and getting my eyes off of what the season really is meant to be. I decided a long time ago that I would always approach the Christmas season, I would always move through this season with a childlike expectancy. That I would always kind of pull back a bit in the midst of whatever's going on and determine in my heart, even if it's a busy time, to determine in my heart that, Lord, I want you to infuse something fresh in my spirit as I move through this season and as we move into the new year before us. But to do that, you have to make a conscious decision to resist another spirit that always comes around at Christmas time. And that is what we might call the Scrooge spirit. It's that ball humbug attitude that tries to dampen the joy, that tries to extinguish any hope of there being any prospects of looking for something new or expecting something new in this season, whatever it is that God may hold for us. You know, one of the reasons why we observe the Advent season here at Glad Tidings is because we understand that Advent is not just some kind of religious tradition. Advent is really about setting the pace. It's about having come through a, a busy year oftentimes, we move into the season of Christmas, and we decide that mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I'm going to allow the Lord to begin to realign, readjust my heart, my priorities, my focus, and I'm going to move into the new year with a fresh sense of alignment and a fresh sense of that focus and with a fresh pace of what it is that God has called me to do, what is really important and what isn't. Because I want us to understand, as much as we might have great hopes for the new year or we may have ideas of our new year resolution, this doesn't happen just by turning the page on the December calendar. Our daily routines alone are enough to distract us from ever receiving what God has for us. So we have to decide ourselves to move through this season with a fresh sense of expectancy and a fresh sense of openness to the Lord. In fact, I don't believe it's a coincidence that the Christmas season is a season of goodwill. I find it's interesting in our culture that even people who don't know God or, or don't know God's love become a lot more thoughtful and a lot more generous at Christmas. I don't believe that that sense of goodwill is something that, that originated in the vacuum. It isn't something that just happened. I believe there really is something about the season in our culture for those of us who recognize and celebrate the Christmas season. There's something about that that the Holy Spirit of God gets hold of and by His work in people's hearts, whether we know the Lord or not, there comes this perpetuating of a sense of hope. That something can be different, that, that, that life can be different, a, a sense of, of goodwill. 
Now, there's a few lessons here that I want us to glean from the Magi to ensure that we don't miss what it is the Lord has for us. There's a scripture in which Jesus said, I don't have it up here this morning, but in Matthew 7, 11, Jesus said that if you be an evil, if you as human beings who are fundamentally selfish, if you be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, to your sons and daughters. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those who ask him? That's a beautiful promise. My point very simply is this. If we go through the Christmas season looking for good things to give to those whom we love, looking for that perfect gift, is it a stretch for us to believe that our Heavenly Father actually has new gifts for us this season? That He has perfect gifts for us, that He wants us to lay hold of, that He knows that we need? Because isn't that really what it's about when you try to find that perfect gift? You're trying to find something the person needs. Something the person wants, something maybe they've been longing for, something they can use and appreciate into the new year. And so as I share this, I'm not just speaking metaphorically. On the words of Jesus and his authority, I'm saying to us that if we as human beings have prepared and have taken a lot of time to get a good, perfect gift for that person we love, how much more our Heavenly Father who loves us more than we can fathom, how much more does he have good gifts for us, his children? things that he wants us to lay hold of, things he knows that we need, things that he wants to change, things that he wants to provide for us, things that truly speak to the longings of our heart. Friends, when we speak to God, we speak to a God who is real, who knows our heart, who knows our need, and who hears us. But he wants us to move through this season into the new year in faith, trusting him that he does know our heart, that he does want to speak to our need, but we have to be willing to consciously make a decision that we're going to participate with him to lay hold of and to receive what he has for us and not think that he's just somehow disconnected and I have all these wishful thoughts, but nobody cares. We do have a father who cares. In fact, James tells us that every good gift, every perfect gift, that ideal gift that we need, it comes down from our father the Father of lights, in whom there's no darkness, no shadows, no shifting. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, you need to understand who your God is. That he does, he's not whimsical like you. He's not in good moods, bad moods, bad moods. He has said to you, and especially through this Christmas story, he has said to you, this is my declaration of my love for you. How much more can I show my love for you? that I would come and be born among you to meet your need of salvation and then to die for you and to raise again and to give you the promise of salvation and eternal life. What more can I do to show my love? James says that's the God we serve. That's who our Heavenly Father is. He's not going to throw you a curveball. He's, he's not a God of shadows and mystery. He's a God who's opened up his heart and says, this is who I am. This is how I feel about you. But I need you to participate. I need you to have a sense of expectation for what it is that I have for you. Let me just give you a few quick lessons that we glean from these wise men, these magi, that I believe we need to incorporate into our hearts if we haven't done so already in the next couple of weeks that remain before we move into a, a new year. Lesson number one is this. Don't allow the days to depress you. In the opening verse, Matthew refers to the days of Herod. And we don't have time to go into it, but all you need to understand is that Herod was a very wicked ruler, a very evil man. He was a man who not only killed his wife, but over time he killed all three of his sons. He always felt threatened, always insecure. He did not want anybody to challenge his power and position. 
And so these were days of great cruelty, depressing days, days of oppressive rule. There really was no reason to consider celebrating or being optimistic. And friends, we live in days that sometimes can be filled with depressing news. We, can live in, we are living in days when even as believers we see more and more, there's even legislation, as you maybe have seen in the, past, in the news this past week, of just another way of kind of taking away religious rights and, and kind of this anti-Christ spirit that is growing more and more in our culture today. And sometimes it doesn't seem like there's much prospect of things actually turning around. And if that's not bad enough on a cultural level, then also on a personal level, there are always depressing and unexpected things as we shared in our story with Mary a few weeks ago, that will always try to trap you. There are always things that happen in our lives that will always try to convince you that there's no real reason to believe for anything better. There's no reason to believe that you can actually receive God's promise to you. Even the Christmas season can be difficult, as Jenny mentioned this morning, difficult days for those who associate Christmas with painful memories. But I want to encourage you this morning, That whatever depression it may be, whatever event it may be, whatever may potentially be holding you back, I want to encourage you this morning to say to the Lord, Lord, as I move into the new year, I am not going to be robbed. I'm going to receive. Will you say that? I'm not going to be robbed. I'm going to receive. It's a decision that you and I have to make. Because there will always be things around us that will depress us and discourage us. But as we see with the wise men, they did not allow that to rob them of what their journey, of what their quest was. Number two, don't let surprises stop you. In verse two, the wise men ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. Now, when they arrived in Israel, where's the most natural place to go to find the king that was born? It's in the capital, right? In Jerusalem. And so these wise men, obviously, they just go right to Jerusalem because that's what the prophecy says about a king of the Jews being born. And they're thinking that's where they're going to find him. But when they get there, not only is there a non-Jewish king on the throne, but nobody in the whole city knows what they're talking about. Imagine how discouraging that would have been. These guys have traveled a long way, and they're absolutely baffled by this kind of response. And the simple lesson for us this morning is this. Don't let surprises stop you. There will always be things that will happen. When God has put a promise in your heart, when God is calling you towards something, when you have longings in your own heart that God hears of and that he wants to address, there will always be things that will come along that will surprise you. But I want to encourage you, don't allow those things to diminish your eagerness to pursue what it is that God is showing you. Maybe over this past year, some of you have stepped out into some things that God's been laying on your heart or stirring in your heart, and maybe begin to experience some things, maybe a a closeness with God, an intimacy with God, maybe a new dimension of ministry, or, or things beginning to shape and change in your thought process, in your marriage, in your relationships, but maybe over time it just seemed like you kind of let things slacken off a bit, and they get back into the same routine. And you've allowed yourself to become discouraged. You've allowed yourself for that hope and that newness to be diminished, and you've kind of settled back in. And then because of that, the enemy comes and dumps on you and says, look, see, nothing changes. You ever experienced that? Yeah, see, you tried, you gave it a good shot, or yeah, you experienced something with God that was special, or you used it in a special way, or something began to change in that relationship, but it's just kind of slipped back in, and we're tempted to believe the lie, well, I guess that's the way it's always going to be. 
And I want to encourage us this morning, don't let surprises, don't let things that change in your plans stop you. The Bible says it was because of the joy that was set before Jesus that he persevered from the cradle right through through to the resurrection. And friends, we have to make up our minds. Just like the wise men did when they arrived in Jerusalem and received this news that totally kind of baffled them, we have to make a decision in ourselves that, listen, we're going to worship the king. Stuff's going to happen. Surprises are going to come. Things may not work out this, this year as I expected them to be, or maybe this past year as I expected them, but I'm resolved in my heart that I'm going to know Jesus. I'm resolved in my heart that I'm going to walk with God. I'm resolved in my heart that I'm going to know Him in the way that He wants me to know Him. I'm going to lay hold of those things that are stirring in my heart, those longings in my heart, and whatever surprises may come my way, they are not going to deter me. I'm going to press through until I lay hold of that. So don't let the surprises stop you. Number three, don't just know where to find the king. You have to go to him. Now listen to me closely for those of you who've been in the church for a long time or those of you who've been raised in the church. I think the most amazing thing to me in this story is the ability of these religious leaders we see through uh, verses 4 through 8. They give a very specific answer about where the promised Messiah would be found. Why is that? Because they know the Scriptures. They know what the Bible of their day said, referring to this coming promised Messiah. And listen to this. When the wise men say, we saw his star when it rose, the chief priests, the scribes, those who were the religious leaders, they understood there was a reason to expect a star. So that didn't surprise them. The wise men then say, we have come to worship him. And get this, and I paraphrase, but the religious leader's response is this. When these men who traveled so far come and say from the scriptures and from the signs, a Savior has been born uh, to Israel, the, the religious people basically say this. Well, listen, guys, this isn't the place. But we can tell you, according to the scriptures, where he will be born. And hear me. The wise men who've traveled so far, they head off toward Bethlehem. But not one of the religious leaders goes with them. You ever notice that? In fact, we have no record of any of the religious leaders even telling anybody else that the Messiah has been born. The one they supposedly had been longing for. The one they've been praying for. The one they've been expecting for hundreds and hundreds of years. These men of parents say, hey, listen, everything you've been longing for, hoping for, it has come. It is here. And they say, wonderful. Well, you got it wrong. He's not in Jerusalem. He's probably going to be in Bethlehem. All the best. And off these men go, and they had to be perplexed. What are you, did you hear what we just told you? And friends, hear me this morning. For those of us who've been in the church for a long time, for those of us who are familiar with the things of God, even the presence of God, there can be a real temptation for all of us just to kind of move through life. And then when God does move in, or God is doing something special, or, there, or there's just something that will draw us closer to him our response can be that's that's great yeah well i would but i'm I'm doing a netflix marathon tonight i just you know it's just not a good time we can have the same attitude we can know what christmas is all about we can know what we should do and at the same time still not go there still not bother friends it's not enough to know where you can find jesus Hear me, friends, it's not enough to come into a church sanctuary every week. 
because we feel like, well, hey, Pastor Christian does a great job with the worship and the teaching's not too bad, and I come and I just kind of get fueled, I kind of get pumped up, you know, ready for the week. It's just, I mean, that's wonderful that you experience that, but that's not where it stops. That's not what it's meant to be. This is meant to be a time for us to come and to celebrate what Jesus has been doing in and through our lives all week. And if we've had a bad week, yes, it's a sanctuary. It's a place to come and be encouraged and be nurtured and lifted up and, and sent back out for what the Lord has for us. But we get it all backward. And we, we fool ourselves into thinking that because we're in this ambiance, into this presence, that that's enough. It's not the same as knowing Jesus. You can be encouraged. You can be, you can be spurred on in your faith. You can learn something on a Sunday morning, but friends, Every single day, we are called to encounter Jesus, to be in the Word for ourselves, to have a first-hand, personal revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the gift He's come to give us. That is the door that's open to us. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, these religious leaders, and they were the, the dominant people of their day. They held those prestigious uh, offices, and everybody thought by the way they dressed and all the things they went through in their rituals, oh, they know God, they must be godly. But yet they weren't followers of God. Because if they truly were, they would have dropped everything that day and said, listen, we're going with you. Now, we've been looking for him. We've been longing for him. But not one of them go that we see. And they don't even tell anybody else. Another thing we learn from the Magi is don't suppress your joy. Let joy overwhelm you. I want to encourage you this morning, friends, if you know Christ, don't let your joy stop. That's your greatest witness, your greatest testimony, that your relationship with Christ is real. Don't let your joy stop. And if you don't know the Lord here this morning, I'm not inviting you to join a church. I'm not inviting you to some religious organization. I'm inviting you to experience joy. The Bible says that Jesus himself is joy, and the Bible says that joy is like strength to you every single day. And I want to encourage us this morning, don't suppress your joy. When the wise men saw the star settle over the place where Jesus was in verse 10, it says, read it with me, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Say it again. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, I don't know exactly what that always looks like. I'm sure it looks different from different people in different situations. But Matthew could have said that they just rejoiced. Matthew could have just written, hey, when they found the child, they were really happy. But he doesn't say that. He says that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And again, we don't know exactly how that played out, but what we do know is that these men were the nobility of their culture. Listen to me, people. These men were the nobility. These men were, were, were uh, dignified scholars of their people. They were stately men. In fact, the term magi describes men of learning, men of accomplishment. They were obviously men of wealth. Not only had they traveled about a thousand miles for a few months and the great expense that would have been for such a large caravan they traveled in those days, but also when they got there and found the child, they still had these lavish gifts to give to the child. Everything about these men speaks about seriousness, speaks about sincerity in their spiritual quest. And when they finally get to that place, these dignified, classy, educated, sophisticated men when they get to the place where they see Jesus, the Bible says, they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. Listen to me, friends. If you think for a moment that you are too educated, 
You are too sophisticated. You are too mature. You are too just kind of above and beyond all of that stuff to rejoice over Jesus exceedingly with great joy. If that's what you think, I have a word for you. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. As dignified as these men were, the closer they got to the place, now try to picture this. I don't know for sure, but by the response, I believe when they finally see the stars settle over the place and it stops, I believe a humble childlikeness, giddiness, foolishness just begins to come over these men. And by the time they get to the child, they are just beside themselves. They're just going for it. They're high-fiving. They're, they are so incredibly ecstatic. They have traveled through the deserts of a 1,000 miles in a three-month journey at least, and they finally find him whom they have been looking for. They were excited big time. And friends, if you're not too dignified, I want to ask you to say with me, Lord, make me a child again. Would you say that? Just Lord, make me a child again. Make me a child again. Do you realize how much we miss of God and what he has for us? Because we refuse to become like children. We refuse to acknowledge our need. We refuse to acknowledge that we don't have it all together. We don't have it all figured out. That there's a God who's just a little bit smarter than we are, has things figured a little bit more than we are, and he just asks us to surrender to him and to trust him for who he is. Christmas is for children, we often say, but it's also a season that reminds us that of such is the kingdom of God. Anything we want to experience in the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter whether it's virtue or character or power, whatever it may be, it comes to those who have a heart of a child. It comes to those who in simple childlike faith and trust open their hearts to God and say, God, use me. Finally this morning, don't give Jesus anything less than yourself. Verse 12. Being warned in a dream not to return to hear it, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, of course, it's speaking geographically that they took another way home a different way than they came because they've been warned by an angel not to go back to hear it. I want to ask you to think about this in all seriousness. It's a simple question, but think about this. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of us here this morning would say, I really want to leave this Christmas season differently than how I came into it? I really want to move into 2018 differently than how I came into this previous year. doesn't mean it was a bad year, but friends, if we're not growing, we're dying. You know, if we're not changing, if we're not growing, if there's not new life, we're stagnant. Every one of us ought to have a desire to move into this new year with whatever perfect gift, whatever it is the Lord has for us. I believe that's the Holy Spirit's promise to every one of us. If we will decide to press through the pressing days, press through the surprises, if we'll decide this morning to know Jesus and not just know about him, but actually go to him and to be with him, if we will decide this morning that, hey, I'm not too dignified to worship the Lord with exceedingly great joy, then I honestly believe this morning that we can move through the rest of this Christmas season and we can move into the new year totally different than the way that we came into it. Amen? That's the Lord's word for us this morning, friends. And I want to encourage all of us, no matter where we are in our journey, to understand that God wants us to understand that he has a perfect gift for us. And that perfect gift he gave to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, that we can have a relationship with God 
because of the substitution Jesus was for our sin that we could be forgiven and that we can come into God's holy presence. And not only our salvation, but every year, every day, God says, I know the perfect gift for you. I know just what you need. I've got it for you. But Jesus said, listen, it doesn't just happen. It's for those who lay hold of what the Lord has. And that requires relationship. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. But we need to have a relationship that says, Lord, I want to lay hold of you, number one. And I want to lay hold of the perfect gifts you have for me. Because you know my need. You know where I am. And Lord, if me being human can give loving, good gifts to people, how much more you who love me unconditionally, how much more do you have a perfect gift because you know just what I need even before I ask for it. You know what I need and you've made the provision for me. I'm going to close in prayer before the kids come back and do one more number, I believe, to close off the morning. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of repentance, a simple prayer of invitation to ask the Lord into my heart afresh. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this morning. But if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't understand everything, but I understand what you're saying this morning. And I want to open my heart to God. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I want to invite you with everybody else just to pray this prayer after me. Open your heart for what the Lord wants to do in your life this morning. He wants to give you a brand new life and a brand new new year ahead. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Will you pray after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that you have made a way for me to be forgiven of my sin, made clean so that you may come and live in me and that I might know you, not religion, but you. Please forgive me of my sin. I confess my need of you. I ask you to come into my life. Save me from my sin. And be my Lord. And be my master. Because I trust you. And I receive your love. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to invite you, if you come with someone who knows the Lord, why don't you just tell them before you leave here this morning, hey, I prayed that prayer. And they'll help you to get plugged in as well in a relationship with the Lord. Or you can just come see me. I'd love to talk to you after the service. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Pastor Jenny is going to come and close us off one more time with the children.